In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betch Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betch Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. There is, of course, some some breaking news out of Taramina, Italy, but we'll reserve that for the end of today's show in case you either don't want spoilers, though I'm less sympathetic to that, but I do understand if you listen to this political podcast and you did not come to hear us start with the White Lotus. I do understand that. <laughs> but we will finish with it. Yes. It's pop culture and news. It's, it's, it's politics. Relevant. It's political satire in a, in a way. political. In a way. Yeah. Uh, speaking of something that I just, I simply wish were political satire. Elon Musk joined Dave Chappelle on stage Sunday in San Francisco. This was not something. I didn't have Elon Musk buying Twitter on my bingo board this year, nor did I have this. Curious for your thoughts. Background here. The crowd at the Chase Center loudly booed Elon Musk, who had spent so much of this weekend, like CNN was making it sound like especially this weekend, he was really going on a tear. It's like any weekend Elon Musk uh, ought to be booed. But over the weekend, especially, he was really going off about the culture wars. He was making transphobic statements and echoing QAnon Trumps. Also, he arrived at this show in San Francisco being after he's laid off thousands of people in that same city. So of course he was loudly, loudly booed after taking the stage to say Chappelle's famous Rick James line, I'm rich bitch, which was on a scale of one to 10. How painful was that to watch for you guys? Sounds like Millie spared herself. I, I didn't know that's what he went on. That is what he said. He came out and said, I'm rich bitch. And then everyone booed him, which is hilarious. That is actually very funny. Um, that is comedy. That, that was comedy. I mean, Elon Musk, uh, he's the richest man in the world. He shot himself into space or is going to shoot himself into space. He has a, all manner of kids. He's spreading his seed all over. He's doing all these things. But the one thing he wants more than anything in this world is, what, is to be funny. Yeah. It's to be funny and he can't he he can't buy it and it makes him crazy and it made him buy Twitter Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of fuels all of his decision making. It's like he wants people to think he's cool and funny and no one does. And it's driving him into the like he's becoming all I mean, he obviously already held these leanings like look at his family history also in South Africa, but um, he, he's literally going alt right because they're the ones who will be like, ha ha. Yes. Mr. Musk. Very funny. (laughs) Mr. Musk. Well, then he did this after like, I I guess his attempt at humor over the weekend was that he said, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci, which is also just sort of like a jumbled Mad Libs. Like I just, 
that's like the word, but it's also like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, no, so I it's mean, like, what is he's that? He's an alt even comedian, saying? guys. He's an alt comedian. No, um, there's nothing like unfunny conservative people love more than to be like, I identify as an attack helicopter. My pronouns are fuck off, like whatever, like that, or being like. Or, or pretending like they don't know what LGBTQ, like they don't know where the acronym ends. That's the other joke they have is mm-hmm. to be like, LGBTQ 2020X, what's going on? Like, well, that's those the are the same, two jokes. That's the name of his son with Grimes. <laughs> that is these. actually the name so of his son. So <laughs> actually he does know when the fucking name is. And also, I just got to say, yeah, it's like intersecting, it's intersecting more than one insane trope of like, like it's not just the prosecute Fauci, but it's also like yeah, it's just also like the pronoun joke is so played out, and then also like in many many intents and purposes to a lot of people the pandemic's over. Everyone who got the shot got the shot. Everyone who didn't didn't. Why are we still bringing this up? Who gives a shit? This is also delayed. Like, wouldn't you at least do a Joe Biden joke or something a little bit more relevant? And yeah. I guess the thing, the thing to me that is even more like, I'm not surprised that Elon, Elon was on SNL. He'd been trying to be funny for a mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. I'm more like, how far has Dave Chappelle fallen? How out of touch, like mm-hmm. that Dave Chappelle thought that this was going to go any other way. Like, it's just someone who's extremely out of touch and is up his own ass. Like, because it's one thing if Elon came to the show or whatever, but it's another thing to, like, bring him out on stage and mm-hmm. then call your audience poor. It's like, yeah. that's insane. And, and audience also, again, definitely has friends or family members who you've just laid off. Well, that's the thing is, like, that's also crazy to bring him out. Like, you're so delusional to – and this is – Millie and I have discussed this. Like, Dave Chappelle surrounds himself with yes men. All of these people who make this alt-right turn, J.K. Rowling is in the same boat. Like, they're all just surrounding themselves with people who don't tell them anything that's fucking going on. Mm -hmm. So Dave Chappelle brings Elon Musk out in a city where he just fired a bunch of people at a time in the middle of a weekend where he said a bunch of whack – shit like that's lit i mean he's literally doing QAnon stuff yeah it's not even crazy. just i mean obviously transphobia has allowed allied them together if you're paying to see dave Chappelle, it's not like it's a huge super progressive audience <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's like you even pissed off the people that still bought dave Chappelle tickets right yeah. it's not it's not the transphobia that's making them mad but elon musk is yeah. even into other nefarious things at this point he's like repeating QAnon talking points which is really bad he's saying all this stuff about like the woke mind virus like this guy's far gone at uh, this he's point. like anti-ukraine which is like of political of political conflicts be, uh, you, we've talked about the racial politics of the Ukraine Russia more mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a pretty safe. Yeah, it's like, like hating Betty White. Like, what are yeah, you doing? It's like, yeah, exactly. And he's like anti the Ukrainian, like Ukrainians standing up for themselves. It's just like he's so far gone, and Dave Chappelle's so far gone, and 
the thing is that it's like whatever. I don't know if he like really wants to be funny, but he really wants to be liked. And that's the thing that gets me. It's like you can't be a billionaire and be like evil. And also it was like I had this one landlord who was a slumlord. He took eight months to fix anything. Everything was in complete disrepair. My 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 shower collapsed. My ceiling collapsed. It was a terrible thing. And then on top of that, he was so sensitive. When I would be frustrated at him, I'm like, you fucking said you were going to fix. He's like, why are you mad at me? Yeah. Are you upset? Like, that really hurt my feelings. And it's like, no, you don't get to be making money off of me, not fucking fixing shit. And be super sensitive and, like, be whatever. Like, you lose out on one of those things, man. And yeah, that's what I say to Indel Mux. No, that's so true because it's, like, you can either be a Bezos-type billionaire where Bezos, you know what? He doesn't say fucking shit ever. He's not on Twitter saying anything. He is in the he back. He is on Twitter well, when saying he did, stuff. When he waded into the union thing, somebody, he rightfully was like, I'm done with that. <laughs> like, Well, he, does, so does Bezos tweet often? Yeah, well, he tweeted when that woman, um, remember when that black boss. woman that was a professor was like, yeah, something about white people. And then, and then he's like, uh, like, this is what the University of Connecticut mm-hmm. thinks is a good... He doesn't tweet off. So I'll amend my statement to say he doesn't make himself a Twitter personality the way that Elon Musk does. He obviously does very nefarious things in the background, but he, you know, he doesn't make himself a personality the way yes. in the way that Elon Musk makes himself a personality. If you want to be a billionaire and make yourself a personality, then you can go the Richard Branson route and you're just you're a billionaire, but you're not really doing nefarious things. And you're just kind of like partying on a boat and being like, ah, that's like, those are the two routes. You don't get to be like openly QAnon alt-right aligned and also like, and doing, Mm -hmm. doing nefarious stuff, but out loud, like everybody (laughs) does business with you and everyone still does business with you and all of this stuff. Like you have to pick, a billionaire lane to be in and Elon Musk is trying to play it every single way and just failing miserably on all fronts. I sometimes I think he just knows Twitter is a sideshow. So he's literally like, you know, a circus, a circus of one, just like the only way to get engagement on his stupid website is to is to tweet all of this nonsense. Doesn't mean it's not super dangerous. But like, yeah. also, I don't understand why this timeline is still up. I kept hearing we weren't going to have it anymore. We took it out of our newsletter. What is happening with Twitter? Where are we going? I guess I'm just like, I can't believe I'm looking at Mark Zuckerberg as somebody who's Ooh. like a, a better billionaire because he sucks, <laughs> but it, he's also just like, he also just like minds his business and does his weird AI shit yeah. and like, d- does it, ca- you know, he's not trying to hang out with Dave Chappelle and go to like Mark Zuckerberg's like on a weird planet, like smoking meats and like destroying the <laughs> The Kauai rainforest. Mm-hmm. Which somehow is lower on the spectrum. I think yeah. all billionaires are bad and it's unethical to be a billionaire. If you're going to be one, go the Richard Branson route and just like make your money on music and like planes that have pink lights or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> or, or an elaborate crypto motivated. And that Ponzi is the other scheme. way. <laughs> and that is another, and that is another way that we will discuss next. 
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Okay, so 30-year-old Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested in the Bahamas yesterday for security as fraud. Prosecutors for the U.S. Department of Justice's Southern District of New York, this is very busy people going after this, unsealed a criminal indictment on Tuesday charging this guy that people call SBF of lying to investors from the very start of his company. Bankman-Fried faces eight counts, including wire fraud on customers and lenders and conspiring to defraud the United States and violate campaign finance laws, which we will get into what all of that means. But I just think it's kind of funny that he was like supposed to – I thought we were going to cover him testifying before Congress today. He was like, yeah, Yeah. I'll be there. I'll do that. No problem. I'll I'll chat to you all. But he got arrested outside of his apartment in the Bahamas. Uh, So did you guys know much about him before – He definitely seems like a crypto finance celebrity. I'm not in that world. I had not heard his name until he was bankrupt. Well, I just listened to a Planet Money episode about him. And apparently the thing that set him apart, well, two things. My best friend um, went to a really hoity-toity private school. She was a scholarship kid in, in the Bay Area. And he was, they went to school together. Mm -hmm. So like, he went to yeah, a really nice private Yeah, this guy has like school. the shiniest upbringing you've ever seen. Yeah. And then, um, but what I heard 
The thing about SBF or Sam Bankman Freed is that his whole thing is that he was an altruistic billionaire. So he was one of those people that was like loudly, it was, it's so crazy because he donated to a lot of Democrats. He was one of those people that wanted to like, his goal was to give away 99% of his Yeah, I think he wealth. took like the giving pledge or something like it. Yeah. Yeah, like he was pushing that and he was always, always, always um, a proponent for crypto being regulated. So mm-hmm. it's so crazy that he was doing all of that while completely like <laughs> frauding people yep. and all this stuff. Yeah, it's um I had a friend of mine who works in crypto like explain this to me today before the pod. I was like, I need someone to kind oh of my God, write it you down. needed this and you had to explain nuclear fission. Poor old I did have to explain nuclear fission on the pod today. Fusion. <laughs> Oh gosh, um, which thank is God. different than fission. Yeah. I remember from school, yeah. but <laughs> but I did. I talked to a friend, and like it, kind of what he did. I at the end of his explanation, I was like, okay, so he basically Enroned, but mm-hmm. with crypto, he was like creating a lot of companies, moving money around, overinflating the value of his stuff. It's kind of classic mm. malfeasance, uh, <laughs> classic yeah. corporate malfeasance, uh, but with a crypto. A crypto twist. <laughs> I love how all Ali said to say mouth was, it's classic, m- and Millie said malfeasance. Malfeasance. It's always it was malfeasance. malfeasance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I'm like, I know to- that word. I know that word. <laughs> well, and you know yes. what it is. There's only one thing it could be. But yeah, as you were... As you were saying, like, this is hard. I'm not in the crypto finance world. I have a little bit of insecurity about, like, my inability to really understand it. But at the end of the day, I think it's because it's, like, all not really really real. But this is your pretty standard Ponzi scheme type of situation. So he grew up, like I said, wealthy, like Millie said, wealthy in California. He went to MIT and worked at trading firms and all of that. And then he was all about, like, effective altruism. And in 2017 – he founded his own trading firm called Alameda Research. It seems like he was just treated as like a capital and investment like wonderkind. So in 2019, he founded the cryptocurrency exchange FTX, and that also had its own currency. Since then, he had been doing incredibly well, and he had been seen as like a real thought leader in this space. And FTX was seen as, you know, a safe space for you to put your money if you were curious about crypto, but felt a little on edge about it. Lots of big names, big investment firms invested, as have celebrities and athletes. At one point, SBF's net worth reached $26 billion. It's now zero. Now Bloomberg says he has no material wealth, <laughs> yeah. which just shows you it's not real. It's this, not this, this money's it's not zero. real. It's monopoly <laughs> money, for sure. $26 billion to, to zero. And the way that happened was that he just this money didn't really exist. He was yeah. he was basically using it to fund his other firm, Alameda Research, or use it as a line of credit. Then I think something happened where like one of the main holders of the FTX crypto was like, I'm gonna sell most of it. And then since it basically there was nothing really backing it up, it just collapsed and had no value. And then it was discovered that he had been doing this the whole time. And that is also against the law and he was arrested this morning or last night. Um Okay, so I have a few points. There are um, there there are a lot of theories that say that Tom and Giselle's divorce was mm. tied to the fall of FTX. So go down that TikTok rabbit it. hole if you're if you want to do something and escape from your family, 
go down that TikTok road. I bet there oh, are many couples that have that are getting divorced over crypto, just for all well, manner of reasons. Well, him. Well, first start with Sam Beckman Freed and that <laughs> and his and his partner that looks like a child. Um, I think his partner was also. Like the C- he made her like the CFO yeah. or something mm-hmm. of the company. Like yeah, he he put oh. his partner yeah. in. This is something that my friend was telling me that he put. Yeah. Uh, okay, yes, this is what my friend said. Also, and this is the the source. My friend, <laughs> his also also his CFO was just his girlfriend. Apparently, the entire board had like a Fleetwood Mac kind of thing going on where everyone <laughs> yeah. was screwing everybody. In this luxury yeah. Bahamas penthouse yeah. where they were just taking billions of customers' money and paying yeah. themselves with it or like paying their own debts with it. And a lot of people invested money um, and a lot of people – it's fucked up, but it's like a lot of people – a lot of like famous people like – did commercials and and posted and boosted it. And it was like, you know, if you're like, it's really, I don't know. It just, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole, but it really is like, it reminds me of the barstool guy. Like he, there was this whole New York times article about his gambling and all that stuff. But it's just like, if you're an influencer, it's like you have a responsibility to like not fraud the people who like you and like influence them to fucking yeah. lose all their money and fake shit. But anyway, I was just thinking as we were talking that let's say Enron and all these other financial crimes and Ponzi schemes are like Emma. FTX is like clueless. It's the new mm-hmm. remake that's Love coming that. of mm-hmm. age, takes the themes, whatever. So, yeah, it's just yes. the same kind of story, but with a little modern twist. Mm-hmm. The spirit so. is there. The themes exactly mm-hmm. are there. But I was we're... thinking Fire Island, too. But Fire Island, I feel like, is a little bit more of a departure yeah. than FTX is. This is the, le- the lesser known Jane Austen novel, Malfeasance. Yeah, Malfeasance. Is, yeah. It's classic. All right, all right. We have a we have another villain. Everyone we're discussing on the show today is in their villain era for Fuck real. Fuck Mary Banish. Fuck Mary Banish. Yes, mm-hmm. perfect. Um, we haven't recorded despite despite your pleas for an emergency recording after Kirsten Cinema changed her party registration uh. to independent last week, just in <laughs> time for Senator Raphael Warnock to have won the runoff. It was so transparent. Um, she said that she did this because this is in line with what many. Americans believe she thinks that legislation that you make with bipartisan compromise is stronger. Everything that she said was like not incorrect, but none of it is addressed by her registering as an independent Arizona voters. I mean, it just like seems fucking anti-democratic at its core. Like Arizona voters selected you as a, a democratic Democrat, senator, as a social yeah. worker who was running for Senate. They not that not for nothing. They just also overwhelmingly reelected another Democrat to. Re- represent them and as their governor like i cannot imagine the rage i would feel as an arizona voter i would be like we can arrest her right like (laughs) it's um it's just so transparently a move that like she saw that her stock she has Mm -hmm. very much enjoyed as we have seen her ability to be uh 
obstructive to the Democrats' agenda and the fact she's very much enjoyed that everybody has to get her seal of approval to do anything. And um, that is not really tied with the wishes of Arizona voters, which you have shown they just reelected Mark Kelly. They elected a Democratic governor. They're not Arizona voters are not clamoring for Republican or like rule here. She (laughs) wants attention. She wants attention. She saw like that she was not going to be getting as much. And so she decided to make this move for anyone who's wondering, Democrats already have two independents who caucus with them. She's still she's not saying she's not caucusing with the Democrats. So like the majority is still intact, even though she has an eye next to her name. Um, so it was literally just to grab headlines and to remind us all that like I'm still going to be a problem. Yeah, like absolutely. I mean, it's like when Joe Manchin would say, you know, he would only be against things because they were no longer bipartisan, like a voting bill that he introduced that used to have Republican support when Trump was in office now doesn't. He'd be like, well, I can't vote for it because it's not bipartisan. And that's yeah, what she's doing, too. It's like nothing nothing has changed other than the role of you, your role and the attention you get. You need to you right. need to change something so that you continue to get it. And you, like Elise said, it's probably not going to have any immediate practical impact. I, want, I mean, I kind of wonder if, let's say there's a judicial nominee that Republicans just hate and she can be like, listen, they hate her so much. Like, I, they hate this nominee so Probably. much I'm not going to vote for them. But then we still have the majority. It's just obnoxious. Like, Well, it's just a signal. Um, it's a signal that she intends to be annoying. Like, yeah. she, it's literally her it's making an announcement up. that's like, in case any of you wondered if I was going to tamp it down, if I've learned anything from this election cycle, if I'm going to change anything about what I am doing, absolutely not. We're turning it up to 11. Get ready for independent Senator Cinema. Like, she, it's just an announcement that she intends to be very annoying for the remainder of her term. Okay, now this is, now we're related, and maybe, you know, Millie loves to go on a little tangent, but I'm going to, I want to get the official Betches Up opinion on this. Do you, I saw somebody say that it is just because we disagree with a woman doesn't mean we can make fun of her clothes and her appearance, and it's actually misogynist to do so. Millie Tamara says, that is bullshit, and you absolutely can make fun of a woman's appearance and clothes. I mean, I wouldn't say body shame or anything, yeah. but I feel like you can make you can say that this girl that Kirsten Cinema dresses like she shops exclusively at Charlotte Ruse in a I derogatory. Agree that I can that you can say that, and I have said that. And the reason I feel that way is because it's also not like she's just like kind of not stylish or whatever. And it's just people being like, whatever, like your suit is, it's, she has a style that is specifically designed to grab your attention. Again, I've compared her to Portia on the white Lotus. Like she is putting together looks to again, draw attention. This is someone who really wants all of Amanda's our attention. Stressed out. No, no. I was just thinking, I think Millie got blocked for saying the same thing on Twitter. Like I got blocked by, and because everyone was talking about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And it was just making me think because some of the people that were saying that are women I generally do agree with, but I 
totally disagree that you can't criticize what what she wears I, or I, how yeah, women I just look. disagree too. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was wearing some knee high cheap ass boots, and they and it was and it's just like. Is it not misogynist to vote against the minimum wage or to stop? Like, what the? Like, honestly, like, I'm kind just- of like, it's misogynist if men do it. It's not if we do. Bridget did a t- posted a TikTok on this over the weekend and like it got like 400,000 views and really resonated just explaining why she is totally fine. And she also was like, this woman dresses in a way like, it's not like she dresses in a way. Like she launders her neutral views through the way she dresses. It's like mm-hmm. you can't be up there with a fuck off. Like I am owning. Like you are. You are benefiting from because feminism now we live in an era where it is. It can um, give you praise clout, and access to yeah. capital and clout. So she is trying mm-hmm. to take that and she's trying to earn that, even though she's not actually delivering on it or or living up to the values. And mm-hmm. I don't think right. anyone's tricked by it. It's just fucking irritating. Yeah. Like she is wearing sort of a progressive costume. I also think mm-hmm. like yes, perfect. Yeah. I think we're in this era which I do think is for good. I think we are course correcting from a time period where you could be just viciously mean about the appearances of any famous or political person or like Monica any, Lewinsky, yes. Yeah. yeah, on any single way and like you know, we used to have fashion police whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I think now there's just People get scared about kind of any of it. But um, at the end of the day, to say someone's wearing an ugly outfit is also not the most, like, vicious takedown or mean, horrible, like, thing. Yeah, that you exactly. Get. It, it's not like like a nexus of evil to be like, I think that outfit is ugly. Millie yeah. made fun of our outfits last week, and we all laughed along. We just <laughs> laughed outfits. along. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't make fun. I didn't make fun. I wanted the people. This is a weird I have to share a picture. I'll share a picture for the audience. Yeah, but we were, we're, you guys have a very visual outfit and we are in an auditory uh, (laughs) thing. So I wanted people to know that as Elise described, I wanted people to get the full picture as Elise described that feeling of having the last hit of a vape. She is wearing a beanie with a tiger and a tiger shirt Mm -hmm. and as you talk about your holidays i want people to know that you have dodgson's in holiday sweaters well actually what i did elise is that i I made elise film multiple versions of a video where she sang a political rendition of because i got high that i actually never filmed i didn't press play (laughs) very sad one bit it was uh, last week was murphy's murphy's law (laughs) for me but anyway anyway yeah i guess i I think it's only okay with if we do it. I say this a lot on this podcast. But like the problem yeah. is the reason I'm okay with it is because I expect more, more from women. And I know that is an implicitly um, technically sexist thing to say, but it's just like, I don't buy it. We're not, we're not, we're not buying it. Just, I don't know. It's so obnoxious. So we are officially pivoting to uh, – we've got some time, thankfully. Spoiler the white alert. Lotus Everyone has a nice ass. Time. Everybody has a nice ass of, of the episode. We're all caught up. Um, if you are not, then don't listen any any further. Uh, but White Lotus, of course. It was a quite a popular fan theory that Tanya was going to be the one who died uh, yeah. because just – it seemed very unusual that these <laughs> these these high class gays were pulling her away from where she was mm-hmm. supposed to be, and then that um, Porsche was getting pulled away so much. So 
I didn't, they took her I, to see Madam Butterfly. That was crazy. Yeah, I'm a dummy yeah. when I watch TV shows. I just go off vibes. I'm like, I over intellectualized my whole life. But like, even I was like, seemed like that was happening. But of course, it took a little bit of a twist when Tanya sort of created an escape route for herself. But of course, um, hit her head on the dinghy and drowned. <laughs> Were you surprised by that? Which parts did you see coming, and which didn't you? And how did you, thoughts and feelings? Yeah. So I initially thought that Ethan was going to die or that the death was going to be from the group of the the four couples. Yes. But I will say that once Tanya saw the picture of Greg at the Palazzo. Yes. Yeah. Her husband. I was like, okay. (laughs) Shit is off. (laughs) This is really not good. And then I thought Um, that Portia was going to die for a minute too. I, I was surprised at how, By the time we got to the last episode, I was feeling very much like Tanya was going to die. But I was actually surprised by how they play. They had it actually play out um, among them. Like I would not have guessed that she shoots dead every single one of them and then through the door. Right, one of them ran, (laughs) and then she and then that she slips and hits her head. I thought that was kind of. I don't know. I did think that was really, really interesting. And the fact that like the first season is all about her, like trying to toss her mother's ashes in the water, like Mm. in the water. And she's like, and now she kind of ends up in the water herself. I think that's really interesting. I'm really interested to see where they go for season three and who they, if they bring someone back. Mm -hmm. Mm. I feel like um, I really liked the ending. It was a really satisfying ending. Um, I think that the first season, it just felt like so like, wow, all these evil people have no consequences. I don't feel like any sympathy for all these shitty people at all. And in this one, I'm like, oh, I kind of feel some kind of compassion for every single person. Mm -hmm. And also like, they're all, we can clearly see that they're all suffering too. Mm -hmm. Um, in a way that just me as my little bleeding heart. Like, I hate to see bad people. You know me. You know me. I fucking fell in love with Kai in the first thing, and I was like, I would have stayed in Hawaii and fucked that guy. <laughs> yeah. I fucked the shit out of But, yeah, for this one, it was just so satisfying. Everyone's a fucking idiot. Um, Portia, when they, when he dropped her off in that airport parking lot, I'm like, <laughs> like I, know. I just would not ask any questions. Like, I would be like, yep, okay. Yep, I got it. Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> um, I love that Mia and Lucia like won the day in the mm-hmm. end because, y- like, you know, there's that trope always, and they even mm-hmm. mention it. They say like, yeah. whatever. What, what, there was a line that was like, "Whores like us never like always suffer. We never mm-hmm. win or we never live." And I talked to a couple people in my life who thought they were going to be the ones who died, and I was just like, Mike White is not going to do that. He is not going to make this like typical that the sex yeah. workers die in the end, yeah. whatever. And it was so kind of awesome to see that both of them just got exactly what they wanted. And it's kind of, in my opinion, what they, the moral quote unquote to that is like, they were the only two people who were honest about like who they were in their relationship to sex at Mm. all I mean Lucia definitely pulled a little bit of scam at the end there but like they were the only ones who like 
I guess we're being honest with themselves about mm. who they were and what their relationship to sex was and what they wanted and how they were going to get it. And everybody else is out here pretending to want, so concerned with pretending to be a good person hmm. that um, I'm keeping up appearances and like this and that and the other thing that like they just, uh, they were just lying to themselves constantly and everyone around them. What do you guys think happened with Ethan and Daphne on the island? They oh they fucked I think okay yeah they definitely fu- like and that reignited Ethan's sexual desire and then he could finally have sex with his wife. I feel like the sexual desire and all of that is also tied to like Cam fucking everybody he's ever that's like, crazy Ethan or like every like hitting on everybody that Ethan or whatever and he's like had Ethan sex had- with and I'm like why are you even still friends. I don't know. Men men stay friends with each other for men are so they but don't it's care. true. I mean, I really love the thing of like Daphne being like, um, men they, they're just these elephants in the woods by themselves fighting each other and all yeah, this I stuff. And that. it's just like it's so true. But I just love I'm like, I wish we saw it though, because I'm like that would be so hot. But it was um it when well, first of all, everyone's been praising Megan Faye. He's acting. It was so good. That scene where Ethan tells her and she just takes like that 30 seconds to like think it all over and comes yeah. back with just, I don't think there's anything you have to worry mm-hmm. about. Like it I just a masterclass. But I read an interview with her where she says that she thinks that Ethan and um, Harper basically become Daphne and Cam after this experience and mm. their desire is their desires reunite reignited but it's totally tied up in weird jealousy games that they're going to play with each other now mm. kind of mm. forever yeah I guess that was like the thing I struggled with with was I don't understand Daphne's motivation for fucking Ethan if just to like get back like I didn't fully know if if I don't know if I I wasn't convinced that Daphne was like getting enough out of her marriage to be so evolved like it felt like her lines were a lot for like the other characters and her performances were like amazing but like I would love to see her come back to just learn more about like what motivates her like a lot of people are predicting her as the return like I've seen a lot of tweets she that are like to be Anna Daddario's character in the mm, first season, yeah. like the the gorgeous girl yeah, in the first yeah. season, and so like she was actually she said on Las, Las Culturistas she was like bum she didn't get it but like this was perfect for her yeah, yeah this is way better. it would be amazing I saw a tweet that was like it'd be amazing to see Daphne back on a girls trip like mm. doing yeah. something like that where we can get a little bit more I saw another interpretation of that scene with Ethan that I thought was really interesting which is like that Daphne's decision in that moment was actually more about Harper than it was about Cam because Daphne had this like thing where she was like, you know, it's hard for me to be friends with girls. Whenever I tell them anything, they stab me in the back. And then Harper fucking did the same thing. And Mm -hmm. so I think she was like, okay, her whole thing of like, I'm not going to be a victim. Like, okay, you're going to fuck my husband. Then I'm going to go fuck your husband. I read that. I was like, why does she keep... I well, I think it it's open to interpretation, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. so interesting. But yeah. she did have that. I, I think that something central to the Daphne character is that speech of like, I don't feel like I can ever befriend women. And it never goes yeah. well yeah. when I try to befriend women. And then she tried to befriend Harper and Harper fucked her husband. And so she's just Kissed like. Kissed him or maybe fucked. Do you well, guys think they had sex? I think a finger was somewhere. Ah. 
I think that she's right in that it was a kiss, but they were going to fuck if Ethan had not yeah, knocked gotcha. on the door. Like, I think yes. something, like, it was a pre-fuck kiss. Mm. Yeah. It's also well, just like, I don't understand what would drive her to do that other than like he was there and he was hot. Like they didn't seem really attracted to each other, but I guess that's all it is. Like these people were suffering and aimless and like they didn't need much convincing to, ruin, to potentially ruin their lives. They're attractive, but like- No, they're attracted Cam's to each other disgusting. in that way of like, oh, she's this Like they both think they're repulsive, you know? Yeah. Like he thinks she's annoying and disgusting and she thinks he's annoying and disgusting. And then they're like, okay, like- it's like this like sick thing. I don't I've know. I've never experienced that. It, it's, it, it is like, a, it just reminds me of like in Juno, how like yeah. all the like jocks want to fuck a weird girl yeah. kind of thing. It's like this weird desire. Well, thing and it was know. like they said, this like bizarre thing that Cam had to like uh, sleep with what? everybody. everybody. That Ethan. Yeah, and Ethan and was like, I this think, is my wife, man. I think yeah. Aubrey Plaza is in this position of like, She feels like her husband doesn't desire her at all. She's catching him watching porn and all this stuff. She thinks that he probably had sex with someone on their thing. And now she gets hit on by this guy. And it's like, okay. Who's his husband's so jealous of. Yeah. And her husband's obsessed with. Yeah. Who she knows, like, who's the number one person that I could upset my husband with right now? Oh, this person. And he's hitting on me. And I haven't felt desirable in months because my husband won't have sex with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally, why do you think people like this show so much? Why do you think it I, becomes such like a moment? I just feel like it's so fun to start a show with a mystery. And we don't know who's going to die or when or how. And then, yeah, everyone has it to watch. Everything with so much meaning because the stakes yeah. are like, this. does this have anything to do with who died? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also laugh out like loud the foreign, funny. yeah, and it's funny, and it's like a foreign location that's so beautiful, you know. I think that's why. yeah. I really think it's like everything comes together for it. You get to kind of live vicariously in this beautiful place. The acting and the writing is really, really, really good. It's fun to try to parse together what the mystery is going to be and what is what is a symbol and what's just like stuff in the background Mm -hmm. like what matters what doesn't what is the season about there's a lot of different layers it's just I think like in the absence of like cable I mean cable tv still exists but in the absence of cable tv the way it used to exist it's like appointment viewing for everyone where so Mm -hmm. many people are watching it and we can all talk about a show and we can all think about a mystery is like so few and far between so when there is one I think it's just really, really fun for everyone. Yeah, agree. Uh, sad times, sad times that the season is over. That's our show for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sasmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sasmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.